Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. We're talking today about great expectations. Last week, Taylor kind of delved into it just a tad, and so we're taking what he taught us last week, and we're running with it. When, any, when you were in school, did anyone read the classic book by Charles Dickens, Great Expectations? Anyone? Couple? Okay. Well, I did not, but I love the concept. I love that title. I think Great Expectations is such an amazing thing. And we want to be people who live with great expectation. We're talking about faith today. And I don't know if you notice, sometimes when I get up here, I shake. It's not because I'm nervous. It's something about being in the presence of God, and I don't know what he's doing, but it makes me just shake. Abigail, we're in a service. She just starts to shake. It's just, you don't know what he's doing, but you trust that he's doing something, that he's moving, and you just allow him to do what he does. A couple weeks ago, Taylor was like, why are you shaking? Like, yeah, it's not nurse. It's God. So if I'm shaking, it's because God is here, and he's moving, and I'm expectant that what I'm going to say is exactly what we need. We're living with great expectation. The dictionary defines expect as to look forward to, anticipate, watch or look for, wait for, count upon, hope for, believe, and trust. Isn't that awesome? That's what expecting is. Faith is about expectations. What do you expect to God, for God to do in your life? Do you expect to hear from him? Do you expect him to save the lives of your children? Do you expect for him to move when you pray? Expectancy for God, this is our main idea and it's in your notes. Expectancy for God to move is what stirs his heart to action. You want him to move in your life? You've gotta be expectant. That's what moves the heart of God. Say to your neighbor, are you expecting? <laughs> are you expecting? I know we do have someone who's, who's actually expecting. Are you expecting? That's not a question that you want to ask a lady, just a heads up, unless it's very obvious that they're expecting. <laughs> That's right. Been there, done that. Oh, man. We need to pray with expectation. We need to read God's word with expectation. Every time we open up the Bible, God, what do you want to speak today? To me, today. We need to go to church with expectation. Before you get here, Lord, I'm already expecting for you to move. I'm already expect for, expecting for you to speak to me. What do you want to do? When our expectations, get this, are grounded in God's promises, we can come to him expecting to receive something from him each and every time. Not sometimes, all the time. He wants to move. Are we expecting for him? Hebrews 11.1, 1, in your notes and on the screens, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When you expect God to do something, his power immediately begins to operate. Faith is the switch that turns on the power of God. Think about the lights in your house. They're not turned on unless you switch that power on. Otherwise, it's just darkness, right? We have to switch on the power of God. Faith and expectation work the same way. You cannot have expectation without faith. Faith has to come first before expectation can exist. So if you don't have faith, you can't have expectation. You have to have faith. In your notes, it says by Stephen Furtick, faith 
is believing before what will only make sense after. Can you say that with me? Faith is believing before what will only make sense after. Isn't that the truth? When you expect for something, you put your faith into action. You don't see what the outcome is. You already know the outcome is gonna work out because we serve an all-powerful God. So I might not see it right now, but I'm believing by faith that I will receive. The after result is going to be great and miraculous and powerful. Do you need healing? Do you want your children saved? Do you need more provision for your life? Do you wanna pray for people and see miracles happen? Do you want to read the word and it come alive? You have to have expectation. In your notes, it says, change your expectations and you will change your life. So what are some things that we should expect from God? Here's a little list to get you going. Okay, this is what I can expect. We should always expect to receive answers to our prayers. We should always expect to receive healing for our physical bodies. What about expect to prosper, to grow spiritually, to live victoriously over sin? We can expect that. We should expect to receive revival. What about winning souls for Christ to overcome trials and tribulations, to expect to accomplish the impossible? Sounds unattainable. No, it's not. We expect and it will happen. Jesus said, you will do even greater things. We wanna see greater things here in this church, in our lives, when we're at work, when we're at school, we can expect. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 in your notes says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. That verse is not talking about a one-time thing. It's a, I keep asking, I keep seeking. It's my kids that are always like, can I have some sweets? 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 Sometimes you're like, yes, just have some sweets. I don't know, just go on. We keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking all the time, every time. I don't give up. Oral Roberts used to say, you must expect a miracle if you want it to happen. If you want it to happen, you have to expect it because great expectation produces great results. You don't have great results in your life, you might be expecting a little. Little faith produces little results. In your notes, a person will never receive beyond their expectancy. Taylor's been talking about that. It's a cap. If I don't expect more, how, how can I ever get more? It's like that ceiling. Let's bust through the ceiling. Our God is all powerful, yet we limit his work in our life. He wants to do it. He can do it. We're the limitation. Without expectation, God can't do much for you and for me. That's why we need to do our part. You know, I always made pretty good grades in school. A's and B's. I always liked school. I like to learn. Anyone here liked school? A lot of ladies, maybe not as many men, hopefully say, yeah, yeah, okay, it's good. I did pretty well in school. Well, then fast forward, I went to ORU, Oral Roberts in Tulsa, and um, I took a math class called Mathematics and Society. And I thought I scored major because this was the easiest math class on campus. Basic math, it's geared towards elementary school majors. So people that are learning to be teachers, and they take the class because it's literally elementary math maybe some junior high math, basic math. So I go to my class, it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.50 in the morning, and I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I can get all my thinking time out in the morning. Like, I am just going to coast, get the easy A. And I was doodling, truthfully, and I was thinking about what I was gonna do at the end of the day. I was just like, 
I don't need to learn anything. I've already passed math. I'm not going to learn anything. This is easy coast, easy A. So all was great until I got my final grade. And um, it kind of showed that I didn't take notes or pay attention or that I expected a lot because I got a C. My first C ever. Sounds dramatic, but that was terrible. When you're like a good student and my dad was like, why'd you get a C in math? And I'd tell him that I didn't really pay attention in class and I got a C in the easiest class probably on campus. And it was, it was kind of a wake-up call because what I expected, that I already knew everything, I expected I wasn't going to learn anything, I expected, you know, I put little effort toward it, and that's what resulted in my grade. I got to see, I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And you know what? Coasting is the same way with our spiritual lives. If we just coast, if we think we can coast in our relationship with God, we won't get very far. If you don't expect to grow with him, you won't. Francis Chan in your notes said, we never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. You see, I didn't come into that class expecting to receive anything. I didn't think I could learn anything. My lack of expectancy resulted in a lack of success. If you don't come to church, or I mean, if you come to church and you're not listening, you're not taking notes, you're not engaged in worship, you're not praying when it's time to pray, fully expectant that God is moving on your behalf, you won't get much out of it. I mean, yes, it's great it's here, but the presence of God is here, and he is here just saying, take it, take it, take it. And if you're standing, you're not going to get what you need. You've got to take it, expect it. No coasting in your spiritual life. Expect beyond all expectation. Fast forward a few years later, I was trying to become a certified teacher, so now I'm an adult, and I realized that one of the tests I need to take is a general education test one of those being a math test. So I did the nerdy thing. Taylor still makes fun of me. I bought the big manual and I knew that for that math test, I was going to do great on that math test because before I should have already known the content, but I had to go and study, apply, work at it and expect that I would have the results that I wanted. So guess what? I aced the math test. I had to, I, I went and looked at my, back at my results. I went from a C level at best. I only got a C because I was at class and I did my homework. So probably lower than a C to perfect score because my expectation meant I was putting the importance on where it needed to be. And that is what we need to do. You guys hanging in here? All right. So when you're desperate for something, that changes everything. That is when your level expectant raises. Lord, I need this. You have to come through for me. I won't give up. I'm desperate for you. That when we come to church, Lord, I'm desperate for fresh revelation. God, I need you to do this. Lord, I need to reach my coworkers. I need you to do this, and he will. James 1, 5 to 8, in your notes, it's a long one, but it's a good one. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person, this is highlighted because it's important, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Ooh, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You'll never receive beyond your expectancy. If you go back and forth, hey, sometimes I'm in faith, sometimes eh, I don't really know. Don't expect to see what? Anything from the Lord. You have to go after it. You can't give up. It's tenacity. I will not give up. I will see this come to fruition. So let's talk about what expectancy looks like in the life of a believer. Four points on the back. Number one, when you are expectant for God to move in your life, your posture shows your expectancy. Your posture shows your expectancy. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. What do I mean by that? Well, ladies, we have we've quite a few parents in here, guys and gals. And ladies, remember when you're expectant with your first child and when I was first pregnant and not really showing yet, Lynette came to town and we went to motherhood maternity, you know, the maternity store. And it was so fun. But here's the clincher is that I look like this. I didn't really look pregnant yet. I was, I was expectant, but you couldn't really tell. And what I was surprised is when you go to the store, maybe you've experienced this, they give you almost like a pillow contraption with a strap that you put on your stomach to make it look like you're pregnant and you try on the clothes and it changes your whole look. All of a sudden, you know, I just look like a little chunky, like I'd gained some cookie weight. Maybe I like frosted cookies. And I kind of look like that, but I didn't look expectant. No one around me would really know that I was expectant yet. But when you put those on, it's like, whoa, yeah, okay, this is, this is good. And you better believe that we bought quite a few outfits with that pillow. I did not buy clothes for where I was at right then. It's because I was expectant. I knew that I was going to be changing. I wasn't going to stay my size two, svelte body. I knew that I was going to be changing. And then soon, everyone around me would know because I'd be talking about it. I might be waddling a little bit. What changes when you're a lady? Your ankles get a little bit wider and you hang around places with baby stuff. And the people around you know when you're expectant, the people around you will know that you're expectant. You'll talk about what God's doing in your life. You spend time on your knees, that you serve graciously. Hey, they need someone in the nursery? Shannon, totally this way. I'm there. I'm expectant that I, when I am with these babies, that I'm bringing Jesus to them. That, hey, when I come to work and my coworker's talking about this, I'm expectant. I'm talking about Jesus. Or, hey, like, how can I be praying for you? Or what can I do for you? People around you know that you're expectant to see God move in your life and in the people around them. We have a little golden doodle named Maggie. She's so cute, but she is all puppy. She's two years old. And whenever we get the can of Ready Whip, anyone have a dog that likes Ready Whip or is it just us? Okay, well, we get out the can of Ready Whip for our hot chocolate, and Maggie turns into a little maniac. She's jumping around, right? Her tail's wagging. She gets the crazed look in her eyes. She, she, I mean, she goes insane because she wants, she is so expectant. She wants that Ready Whip so bad. And guess what? Because I'm married to a big softie, she gets it every time, every single time. And I'm like, that's so disgusting. Like, please. And Taylor's just going, shh, and she's like, ah, and it's all over her face, but that dog is so expectant. And guess what? She gets it every time. That is how expectant we should be in our lives. I love this story. In Mark 10, there's a guy named Bartimaeus. He was blind. 
and find out what happens. This is so powerful. It says, then they came to Jericho. That's Jesus. You'll find out it says, and Jesus and his disciples. They come together with a large crowd. They're leaving the city and a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting at the roadside begging. Okay, so he can't see. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. I like that. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, hey, call him. So they call him over. They called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Now here's what I want you to know. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Wasn't Jesus always asking the obvious questions? It's like, I'm blind. Yeah, I want you to heal me. But he wanted Bartimaeus to say, I'm blind. I need healing. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Shocker. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus was healed because of his expectancy. But here's the part we often overlook. He had a garment. He threw it aside, right? It said he, he cast it aside. During those times, beggars were issued government clothing that signified that they were legitimately disabled and enabled them for all to know and recognize their needs. So, oh, that person has a real need. They're a bona fide beggar. You know, you, you'd be able to pick them out in a crowd. As Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, it's essentially as he throws off his garment, he's saying, I don't see it yet. I'm not healed yet, but Jesus is in my vicinity and I'm expecting him to heal me. I'm expecting him to deliver me from this lifestyle. He wasn't delivered yet. He wasn't healed yet. It wasn't until Jesus prayed for him and said, you're well, but he threw his garment aside before. That's the kind of expectancy that we need before we see the miracle. Hey, no, no, no. My posture is I'm expectant. Doesn't matter what I see. We were at Chick-fil-A the other day, or just yesterday, and we asked the guy, hey, how you doing? He's like, not good. Like, oh, this is like the happy place. The last time we are at Chick-fil-A, hey, how you doing? This has been a bad day. You know, they just say that over and over. What's their posture? Oh, man, it's just a bad day. Some of you come into church, I'm too blessed to be stressed, but you look like you're pretty, I don't know, depressed. It's like, you, we just act, we have this posture of like, oh, it's just not gonna get any better, yeah? My kid's still not saved, or my grandkid's doing this, or my job's never gonna get better. No, we have this expectancy. We're like Bartimaeus, we're saying, I'm casting this aside, no longer I am expectant. Number two, you ready for it? Number two, that's right. When you're expectant for God to move in your life, you prioritize what's important. You prioritize what's important. I don't know if you got, if there's a P for posture, you prioritize, it's another P. Think about Zacchaeus in the Bible. He's one of my favorite guys. He was the chief tax collector, but he was desperate to see Jesus. He was so desperate or expectant for Jesus that he was willing to risk his reputation. That is a a dignified job, right? They're a person um, with power and um, he didn't care what other people thought. In Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Are you hanging in with me? 
Okay, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. I think that's so funny. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming along that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Don't they seem like they're always muttering in the Bible? They're always like, how dare they? He has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, this is what he says. This is showing his priorities. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And he says, if he cheated anyone out of anything, he would give them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. When you're expectant, your priorities change. Those of, you, those of you of you ladies who have been expectant, your priorities change. Remember from buying stilettos and all the superfluous stuff, you go to buying stuff for your kid, for your baby that is not even born yet, but your priorities change. If you have substance habits, you give them up. People in the world do that. They give it up for their unborn baby. Their priorities change. If you drink a lot of caffeine, you cut back could hurt the baby. I read somewhere that lunch meat was bad, like uncooked lunch meat was bad for the unborn baby, so I used to broil my sandwiches. My priorities changed, but they changed. You're willing to do things that you normally would not do because when you are expectant, you are willing to make sacrifices because you know there's something much more important at stake. Doesn't matter. I give it up willfully because I know that that the thing that I'm giving up is doesn't matter compared to what I'm going after. Zacchaeus understood this. And after encountering Jesus, someone who money would have been his world, that was his job. That's what he did. He was saying, no, I'll give it up. I'll give it up because I've encountered Jesus. And he was expectant. His, all his priorities changed. Back then, those tax collectors were probably people who weren't the most honest so there was a good chance that he probably had to pay out a lot of cash money, right? Back to all these people, but he didn't care. He'd encountered Jesus and his priorities changed. So should ours. Our mindset, our mindset should be, yeah, I had a busy weekend. No, I'm not gonna sleep in. I'm coming to church. Yeah, I've already, I'm tired. I'm gonna get up out early and I'm gonna read my Bible and seek after God. Yeah, it might be that it's a little nerve-wracking to talk to my coworkers about Jesus, but I don't care what they think. I'm going to tell them anyways. Your priorities change when you are expectant. In your notes, it says, we give up some things in order to pursue greater things. That's essentially what Taylor's been talking about. You can give up good things. You can give up bad things, but your priority has to change because you are pursuing greater things. When you're expectant for God to move in your life, you prioritize what's important. Number three, when you are expectant for God to move in your life, like this one, you push past obstacles. You push past obstacles. It's easy to become discouraged when you don't see God moving. Anyone ever experienced that? It's like, oh man, are you ever gonna come through for me? In your notes, it says one reason many people never see God working in their lives is because they never hang in long enough for God to show his power. 
We give up. How many times have we given up before? God's saying, hey, just on the other side of this, if you only would have held on, I was going to move. You have no idea what he's doing along the way, that he's already working it out in your favor, but we give up because, oh, I don't see the results. No, he's saying, push past the obstacles. Keep on keeping on. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep pressing in. Be expectant. How many times have we given up? Man, I know that I have. It's like, oh, I've been praying for this for however long. I might not ever see it. No, we are expectant. We don't give up because remember, while you're waiting, God is working. We don't know what he's doing. He's working behind the scenes. Yeah, he is. And we can't give up because in that waiting time, it's not wasted. He's working. So we keep growing. We keep pushing in. We keep pressing in. We keep moving forward and say, God, I know that whatever I'm facing, this is nothing because there's, there are far greater things on the other side of that. Just because, in your notes it says, just because you reach an obstacle doesn't mean God isn't still working things out for you. Jesus was on his way to, re, to raise a little girl from the dead. Taylor touched on this last week a little bit. I just want to barely, barely encourage you. How, not barely encourage you, but I want to barely I just want to use part of the story and then encourage you, okay? So uh, he's in the middle of a crowd, and there's this woman who's been struggling with issue of blood, right, for 12 years. And it says in Matthew 9, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. So what's interesting is she had to push her way through the crowd. There's all these people, all these obstacles that she's kind of way back here. Have you ever been to an OU game? or leave a game and there's just throngs of people overwhelming to try to cross and get to someone, especially when they're all thronging that one person. She, she didn't care. She pushed past anyways. But what's interesting is that according to Levitical law, she would have been considered unclean because of the issue of blood. So she could have been actually stoned and killed and rightfully so because she was in a place where she should not be. She pushed past the obstacle, but she knew that if she could only get to Jesus, that she was willing to risk it all. She pushed past the obstacles. That's just like the men in the Bible that had the friend that was um, lame and they lowered him through the roof. Remember, they couldn't get through. They didn't allow full house to, to hinder what God wanted to do. They were expectant that if only Jesus could be with the man. And so they're willing to not allow these obstacles to hinder what he wants to do. What excuses have we used? What excuses have we used to not um, expect all that God has for us? Man, I just can't. It's too hard. I don't think it'll ever come. No, we push past it. I think sometimes we're professional excuse makers. You know, it's like, well, I mean, it's like Terrence said, I'm just not demonstrative. You know, I just, I'm shy. I can't raise my hands or I can't talk to someone about God or how will I ever get out of my financial situation? I just, I don't think I can. We limit ourselves. So we have to push past these places. Michael Jordan, he's arguably one of the best basketball players to ever live, right? In your notes, I love that he said, obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it. Go through, oh, sorry, go through it, 
or work around it. So powerful. Expectant people don't let setbacks hold them back. Did you know Abraham Lincoln had setback after setback after setback? But he was determined to make his mark on history. He was expectant that he would make a difference. When he was 23, he lost his job. The same time, he lost his bid for state legislature. Not long after, he lost the love of his life. Stinks to be him, huh? Like, three years later, he lost his bid to become speaker in the Illinois House of Representatives. Man, at age 39, Lincoln also failed to become the commissioner of the General Land Office in D.C. He was also defeated to become a U.S. senator. This guy didn't give up. He kept trying. He kept pressing on and pressing forward, expectant that he could change history, expectant that things needed to change. He never gave up. In 1846, he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives where he drafted a bill to abolish slavery. Three years later, in 1861, at the age of 52, all that time, He's expectant, pushing past all these obstacles. He secures the office of the President of the United States and has since become the most, one of the most famous failures to ever hold office in the United States. And his face also appears on a $5 bill. Don't give up. Be expectant. When you're expectant for God to move in your life, you push past obstacles. Number four, our last point. When you're expectant for God to move in your life, you prepare for it. You prepare for it. When I was pregnant with Abigail, I remember going to all the baby stores all the time. Go and try out the strollers. You go and check out all the baby carriers. You feel all the soft blankets. You compare. Go and buy things and register for things. I went to Home Goods and Pottery Barn. I remember Taylor calling me, where are you at? I'm like, oh, I'm at Pottery Barn Kids, buying stuff for Abigail's room. You know, she wasn't born yet, but what do you do when you're expectant? You prepare for it. We got the hospital bag ready. What do you do? You get their little baby seat ready. You get everything prepared ahead of time because you're expectant for what's coming. You might not have it yet. They're not here, but I'm expectant that it's coming. Take John the Baptist in the Bible, for example. His whole life was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. That's, all he, that's what he did. He baptized countless people in the Jordan River, including Jesus. Like, talk about the ultimate because he was preparing the way for the Lord. An Olympic champion, they know what it takes to prepare when they're expectant to win or conquer the Olympics when they want to get a medal. Did you know that Olympians spend 10, on average, 10,000 hours training for the Olympics? 10,000. 10,000. That's a whole heap. That's a ton. It's found that most Olympians must train for at least eight to nine years to become a master at their, to, for perfect mastery, to become a master at their sport. When they're training for the Olympics, their mind is on that goal all the time. What they eat, what they drink, their sleeping, their thought life, it's all carefully curated for that one thing. They're preparing, they're preparing, they're preparing because they're expected that when they go to the Olympics, they will conquer. So what does it mean for us to prepare in order in our relationship with God? It's when you come to church, you're not yelling at your spouse on the way here and your kids. I told you to be quiet, everybody. And you're just, ah, and your emotions are high and crazy. No, when you're on your way to church, it's the atmosphere of worship already. We're not listening to Taylor Swift on the way here. We're not listening to 90s country, whatever it may be. 
We're listening to worship. We're preparing ourselves. We're preparing ourselves. God's already here. But so many times, if you're not ready to come here and receive, you won't get anything. And you're like, why? Why do they get it? Why don't I? Are you prepared for it? That during the week, I'm reading my Bible. I'm seeking after him. I'm preparing. That I'm serving faithfully. I want to be prepared and ready. I'm giving. I want the, the windows a blessing to come into my life. I'm preparing the way for the Lord to move and that when he comes, I can reach out and say, that's right, the miracle that I've been holding on for is finally here. Or man, I have been lacking in courage or Lord, I've been dealing with depression. No more, I am moving on. But you're prepared, you're ready. You're expectant because he's always ready and willing. But if you're not prepared adequately, you won't receive what you need. Um, <laughs> when Abigail and Matthew were little, we <laughs> bought them golf clubs, or not golf clubs, fishing, fishing poles. And David and Lynette have a pond behind their house. And we're like, won't it be fun for them to go fishing? They were all excited to catch fish and all that. Well, they didn't know that Taylor and I don't like to touch fish and we don't really like hurting fish. So what Taylor put on the end of their fishing line was a nut, like a nuts and bolt. I know, I think they already know. Was a nut, like a nuts and bolt kind of nut. Tied it to the end, no bait, no hook, nothing. And so they were so shocked that every time we'd go out, they're like, we never catch anything. They were so excited and so expectant and they never got a dadgum thing. It was all the time and they were just like, why? I'm like, oh, they're just not biting today, but there's fish all around. And all the preparation, I mean, all the expectancy in the world, they expected, but they weren't prepared to actually catch a fish. If you're not prepared, you're not going to catch your fish. Okay, whatever it is in your life, whatever it is that you're hoping for, believing for, God, I need this. But if you're not doing your part, who's to say God's gonna do his? He needs you to put some action to your faith and say, hey, no, 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 I'm, I'm gonna take care of what I need to take care of. I'm gonna make sure that I'm ready for when it comes. I'm ready. As we close, um, there's in Acts 3, there's a story of a lame man you know, the Gospels are full of all these um, healings and acts as well. And Peter and John, they're going to the temple. It's the time of prayer. And there's a man that comes to the gate. Um, he's lame from birth. So he's having to be carried to the temple. He goes there every day. The temple's called Beautiful. And what he would do is just beg for money. Well, it says... Um, he looked at them. When they came to the gate, he was looking at them. It says the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Well, what he was expecting was money, right? He was expecting a, a, what we would call a get-by blessing, what he got every day, just enough to get me through my day, just enough to help me. But what God wanted to do through Peter and John was something so much more. He had the expectation but he said, I'm going to exceed what you think, ask, imagine. We're going to meet that and we're going to go way beyond because what happened to that man? He thought he would get silver and gold, but he was completely healed. And it, completely, that he was running and leaping and he could praise and he could go fishing and he could do whatever it is that he needed. His life completely changed. He was expectant. 
But we don't want to just expect to get by blessing for our lives. We don't want to be people who just, oh, I just need enough. I just need enough to survive or I just need to, you know, just feel good about life and just kind of, no, we need to expect so much more because we're the ones that are limiting what God wants to do. He wants to say, I want to open up the windows of heaven over your life. Are you expectant for what he wants to do? It's like The Price is Right, that old show with Bob Barker. You remember that? It's like uh, the best part of the show would when he would say, so-and-so, you're the next contestant on the prices right. And then you see this person in the back and they're like, Whoa! they're like hugging complete strangers and making a fool out of themselves. And they're like, yeah, and they're like tripping on the way down and they go to the front and they are so expectant. They didn't win a car yet. They didn't get anything. They are expectant that when they come, something is going to happen. There will be breakthrough. And that's what we want, that we might get the chance, God, that you might heal me right now. Lord, I'm believing or that I'm going to have this breakthrough in my life because I'm believing that I will receive whatever need that we have. Or Lord, I want more boldness. Or God, I need wisdom for this situation. He's here. Are we expecting him? We need to believe that we will receive. It's all about we believe we will receive because God, he wants, he wants to do it, but we don't want to limit him because expectancy for God is what stirs his heart to, heart to action. It says great expectations. Lord, we don't want to limit what you do. And so I just want to encourage you, we'll take a moment and pray and maybe they could turn on some some um, quiet music, just to have a moment. It's you and God that we don't want to be people who limit what he does. Lord, we, don't, we want to live lives that are fully expectant for you to move. Lord, that we live with open hands, open hearts, that it doesn't matter what people think, It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what the outcome looks like. But that God, you already know the outcome. You've already conquered it all. Lord, help us to be people who live victorious. That each and every day we say, God, we expect you to move. What do you want to do? That I'm your servant. I'm willing. I'm able. I'm prepared to step into my calling and my destiny. Lord, let it begin with me. Let it begin with us. Lord, renew a right mind in us. Some of us need our minds renewed. We need our bodies healed. We need you to move in our families and our jobs. Whatever it may be, Lord, let us be people who are expectant. Expect beyond all expectation. You've done it over and over in the scriptures and you will do it again. You continue. You've already moved so much in this church, Lord. Thank you. We don't want to forget all the goodness that you have for us. And Lord, we look ahead in expectation. Thank you, God, for what you are going to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life.
The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K.com, send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.